Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll pick it up, verse 17. Faith in action. It's not really faith until you are exercising it, right? I'm going to start out by with Job, actually. Chapter 23, if you could turn there. Job 23, 1 through 14. And there are many ways that faith can be tested. Obviously, tonight we see the test of faith in Abraham's life, but... I guess Job was <clears throat> tested in the area of patience. You, we can be tested in the area of patience. Peter was tested in the area of love. Daniel and his friends got tested in faith. Are we going to get fried <laughs> you know, in the furnace? Right? Endurance, I would say that would go to Paul. <laughs> Second Corinthians, man, he went through the ringer. Humility. I think we all get tested in humility. Think of Aaron and Miriam. That was a real test. Of course, sacrifice will go to Abraham here, and then obedience to Jesus. There are other ones, but I thought those were good ones. But in Job 23, this is an interesting thing when you consider being tested. 23, 1 through 14 reads, And Job answered and said, Even today my complaint's bitter. My hand is listless because of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. I would present my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in his great power? No. But he would take note of me. There the upright could reason with him, and I would be delivered forever from my judge. Look, I go forward, but he's not there. Backward, but I still can't perceive him. And when he works on the left, I cannot behold him. And when he turns to the right hand, I can't see him. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his, in his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. But he is unique. And who can make him change? And whatever his soul desires, that he does. For he performs what was appointed for me, and many such things are with him. As we read that, you get an understanding of really what God is after through the testing of faith. And that is to make you and me into gold. He's into gold making. We're going to come forth, as he says here, I shall come forth as gold. And um, It's hard to go through the furnace of life, but it's a lifelong process. Testing makes our faith golden in his eyes. And as we get into this particular paragraph here in 
Luke or uh, Hebrews eleven seventeen. Every one of these fellas, all the patriarchs, expressed their faith in their last days, right before they were leaving the earthly scene and going into the heavenly scene. They expressed their faith and their continued trust in the Lord. They knew that God was going to go on with his program without them. And that's something that everybody should take to heart. God doesn't need me. He doesn't need you to complete his program. We're blessed to be part of what he's doing. And to whatever degree he decides to use us, that's up to him. But it's going to go on. Nothing can stop what's coming. He is going to do his plan. And we all can rest in that. And we get to see uh, this exercise in Abraham's life. In begin, Picking it up in verse 17. <clears throat> By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Of whom it is said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. You know, this is, um, it might come as a shock to some people, to those who are walking faithfully with the Lord, they, it's not. But, you know, you really don't have faith until you actually are moving on what God has told you. Without, without doing what you know is right and obeying his commandments, you really don't have faith. You have mental assent to facts, but you don't really have faith. Faith has to have works behind it, have action behind it. Now, the works that we're talking about have, have nothing connected to them in regards to making us acceptable to God. We don't merit blessing, but they're an outward flow of what we really believe. This is the whole James argument. Of course, faith without works is dead. And, and, and so here we have his works. And so the idea is, is just because you have something in your head doesn't mean you're going to act on it. It's really when it gets into our heart. When it's deep down, it's like, you know what? I am going to do this because this is what God wants me to do. And you begin to do it, that's true faith. And we have a lot of intellectual faith in the church today and in people's lives. They're resting on what they know about God, but do they really have the intimate knowledge of Him? Because if you really love someone, I do things for my wife because I really love my wife. I really do what I'm supposed to do for the Lord because I really love Him. And that's what it's about. It doesn't get any more complicated than that. Don't let it become any more than that. Don't be, as Paul said, let's not be deceived like Eve was about the simplicity, not simpletons, not simplistic, but the simplicity of just loving Jesus and following him. I love, I'm glad Jesus summed up the Old Testament. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbors as yourself. That's it, right there. So, in uh, Genesis 22, let, let's, let's sneak back there. Remember, a third of the book of Genesis was, was written about this guy. So, you know, I'm taking my time deliberately because there's a lot we can pick up from our father Abraham. 
in chapter 22, verse 1, this is the scene where he is really being sorely tested. And I can't even begin to imagine, especially just having a newborn yesterday into the family. Uh, and then, you know, you, you, you don't realize there's just more love comes in your heart for another child. Wow, <laughs> this is so cool. And, you know, he's got his only son, only begotten as we've read there. He had two sons, but only one was, in God's mind, your only begotten. That's at a point we'll get into. But to hear these words must have just been an utter shock. I can't imagine how that rocked his world for a moment, at least. Now it came to pass, after these things, that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, now take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go into the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Let's just stop right there. <laughs> that's, that's huge. Behold, I'm here. Now, the, idea, the, you know, the uh, thing you can obviously glean from that is that he's in a, a relationship with the Lord that when God speaks, he's listening. And that's important. You know, how many times... I can, I hate to admit this, but in my past I've had the response to that as, yeah, Lord. And it's like, you know, when your ch children, you tell your children to do something, <clears throat> like maybe stuff we know that they like to do, clean their room. Yeah, yeah, okay, Pop. You know, two hours later, nothing has happened. That's being yad. I don't like that. I never liked that as a parent. I'm sure uh, my parents didn't appreciate that. And I'm pretty sure God doesn't appreciate it. <laughs> when, he, when he speaks to you, we ought to listen. And listen it means you are paying attention to the words. Not just hearing the words, but okay, there's something here. It's this. God, when God speaks, there's purpose behind it. He, isn't just, when a sh he doesn't just shoot the breeze with us, right? I've yet to have that kind of conversation with God. I don't know that that will happen. I'm not counting on that. But when Abraham answers him, I, I, here I am. I, I think there's more to it than I'm present in this location. Okay, I, I, think, that, I, I think there's a lot more there. I think he's saying, um, I'm ready to do what I'm listening. What, what do you want? You've been so good to me. You've blessed my life. I know it was a long wait for a little man to come around, but what can I do for you, you know? <laughs> and I, I love this because of the personalness. It's Abraham. He knows your name. He knows your address. He knows your downsetting, your uprising. I love the way David puts it. He knows your thoughts before you ever think them. That's kind of scary. Please help me think good thoughts, Lord. <laughs> he was aware in his relationship. He knew the voice of God because he'd been walking with God for a number of years. And so this wasn't something, uh, you know, like a new thing. And, but that personalness is so special. And understand that he, he calls us all by name and that's important. You're not just one of his sons. You're 
a certain son, your specific son, created specifically for a purpose. The thoughts that he thinks towards you and me are more than the grains of the sand of the seashore. How can you possibly have that many thoughts about every individual that's ever been created that's going to spend eternity with you? That's just overwhelming. You know, it is really, it's incomprehensible to think about the person of God. But you have, you, I think that's why he puts such a, you know, in Job and other places and, and just in life, he puts a big emphasis on the creation. Go out there and look at it. I mean, I happen to, I like to look at the wildlife, nature things, and I, I actually get caught up in watching some stuff I shouldn't watch when one animal kills another one. Like, oh gosh, that was rough. <laughs> it's such a predatory world. Oh, you know, the sea creatures attacking each other, you know, but, you know, the 50-ton whale taking on the giant squid. That's not going to end well for the squid, I can tell you that. You know, but just the magnificent sea creatures that God has made. And the lions, and, you know, Africa's just full of incredible wildlife and um, just just amazing but, but if a God can make and create with such incredible wisdom and understanding and then you you know you, we were talking about this with a couple guys a couple days ago <clears throat> you know you look at the micro aspect of God's creation you just can't you can't keep you keep dividing things in half and at some point you'd think you'd end end, end up where you can't do that anymore but apparently you can't. And there are smaller particles than, than we even know. We just can't get to the bottom of this, right? And then you go macro. And, you know, the Hubble, the telescopes. Wow. There's some pretty, pretty astounding things out, out there. And he just, if he stretches that out from the tip of his thumb to the pinky, the span of his hand is the universe. I know that's figurative, but it's still... This is the guy that's involved in your life. His hands on your life. And he's got a plan and a purpose and he calls you by name. And I'm not sure of these following words uh, when he answered, here I am, that he expected God to say this. I don't, I'm not sure. I would, I'm sure I, I would not want to hear them. I can't imagine him like, wait, could you rephrase that? <laughs> Did you really mean, <laughs> you know, when you know the voice of the Lord and what he's saying to you cuts across everything that you can imagine, he would never say. It's just complete opposite direction that you're even thinking. Take your son and go make a sacrifice to me. I might, you know, I, here's the other thing. Did he share this with, a, with Sarah? Hey, Sarah, you guess what happened? I was out walking today, and the Lord approached me, and talk, we had a conversation. Oh, yeah, what did he say? He wants me to, to uh, take Isaac and go sacrifice him as a burnt offering. You okay with that? I mean, <laughs> I, gotta, <laughs> I don't think he told her. I mean, that's... Not that I want to hold anything back from my wife, but... <laughs> Where are you going, honey? Oh, well, just the guys. We're going to go sacrifice to the Lord. She didn't tell me any of the other details. Just going to go to this place, this mountaintop near Jerusalem, right? 
Just going to go to the mountaintop. Okay, bye, honey. <laughs> she had no idea what the sacrifice was, right? A burnt offering, which is dedication. Dedicate, rededicate him back to me. Can you do that? You know, it wasn't just going to be a meal offering. You know, I'm going to serve the Lord on the mountaintop and some offering, you know, or have a peace offering and we're just going to have fellowship and enjoy that. You know, it wasn't just a sin offering. It wasn't just a trust. This was a dead, this is a burn offering. Special. A male. You know, you look at Leviticus 1. Without blemish. Voluntarily offered. At the door of the tabernacle is what happened later on, right? Flay the offering. You're going to get, you're kind of getting the picture where this is going. It literally means unclothed skin. Lay it upon the altar and set the wood in order. You know, you think about Jesus fulfilled this perfectly. A male without blemish offered himself voluntarily all the sin was transferred unto him right flayed no not like that but he was stripped naked before the multitude he laid himself down upon the cross and then they erected it and set it in its place in order and he hung there Jesus made a comment about Abraham that's really special. Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it. He, I think it was through this event that he understood the only begotten son and he understood death and I think he understood the resurrection as we'll see here. And so he was willing to sacrifice his only son. He knew that Ishmael was not the line. And he, when he said, your only begotten son, there wasn't any question of what God was talking about. The son of miracle son. Not, not in, we're not going to have some other kind of offering. You're offering what I, give, what I have given to you. Miraculously. And Abraham is, doesn't get any more direction than that. Just go. Step one, right? God doesn't just lay it all out for us between conversion and rapture or death. It doesn't work that way. You, you do the you do number you do the, the next thing that God shows you, and then after that's done, then the next thing, and it's one step at a time. And boy, aren't you glad? Think about the step. Think about the number of steps that you have taken. Isn't that how it worked out? Would you have taken step number six if you would have known at step two that step six was coming? Probably not. God is wise. He knows how much we can handle and how much he should. We'd get all anticipatory and anxious and we'd kind of get in the way. It's kind of, you know, it's just like working with your children when they're little and you're training them and you're teaching them or you're working in the workshop and you're trying to put something together and it's always step by step. No, 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 just all the steps. Number one, the first step is listening ear. Here I am. Can I hear the voice of God? Am I listening for the voice of God? That is so important. 
and God help us because we're so preoccupied with our stuff that you know we 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 can miss hearing the voice of God uh, and we desperately need to hear from God regularly you know sometimes people get off in the weeds and they get involved in activities that they shouldn't be involved in and then when you know God's like <laughs> it's like okay well, when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired come on over we'll we'll have a chat something like that maybe we're to live our lives, I believe, in such a way that we know that if God tells us to do something, we're going to respond to it. We're going to obey Him. We're ready to go. What is it that you would have me to do, Lord? Speak, Lord, your servant listens, Samuel. And so He calls us by name. We have that intimate relationship. He understands our affections, our feelings. Look, Abraham, I know you're really attached to that guy. You know, and sometimes God does discriminate. He made a dis- he discriminated in the sense that he's taking Isaac, not Ishmael. He's free to choose, just like he's given us the right to choose. It's for his own purpose and for his own glory. When he does that, though, he has something really special in mind, and so we should take hope in that. But just remember, it's step one, step two, step three. This is pretty elementary, right, for us. Most of it's just a reminder. Step one for Abraham was what? Leave your homeland. Step two, wait patiently for the child that I'm going to give you, the child of your hope. Step three, give him back. Now, don't get me wrong, there were lots of other steps along the way, and there were lots of trials, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, you, had, you have 318 employees, you're going to have problems. You could be praying a lot. You know, you read that, read that about him. He had 318 guys that could, could you know, do battle, right? Chapter 14, when he went and saved Lot. But you get the idea, there were major events leading up to in God's purpose. So again, just do the first thing. Do the, do the next thing that God reveals to you to do. And then step two, step three will follow. So I have a feeling that he did a lot of thinking. It's a three-day journey, if I remember correctly, here in 20, uh, 22 in Genesis. So Abraham rose early in the morning, verse 3, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering. And he rose and he went to the place that God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the, the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we'll come back to you. And so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And then he said, Well, look, uh, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself 
the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. I have a feeling that on the way there, you got two or three days to be thinking about what God's going to do and how he's going to do this. Because no doubt, as we've read here back in Hebrews, that he's, you know, and we're all like this. We're going to reason. God knows that and he wants us to. Now look, let's, let's, let's go back over the facts here. I've spent 25 years in the promised land and I didn't have my child of hope. And then you've given to him. I've, he's probably, you know, about 13 or so at this time. So he's had him for a, a decade or so. And now he's going to give him back. And I know that it's because he was a miracle. This is the seed that's going to produce the nations. I know this is what God's going to do. And eventually, the Messiah is going to come through him. Wow. So wait, you want me to kill him as a sacrifice? Okay. So that means in order for you to fulfill your purpose and your plan, you're going to have to raise him from the dead. And he understood that. He reasoned it out. I, I believe he understood it. Um, you know, it says back there in Hebrews that he received him physically, you know, figuratively from the dead. He was dead, couldn't produce children. Sarah's womb was dead, she couldn't produce children. So, what's harder for God <laughs> in this situation? That's really what faith comes down to. What's really the hard thing for God to do? You know, sometimes you feel presumptuous, maybe, in thinking what God could do. Sometimes you feel childish in the sense of what you're conceiving in your mind, like, well, there's lots of, you know, thoughts like that that can go through a person's head when you're walking by faith and you're really trying to figure it out, just like Job. If I go to the left, where is he? He's behind me. I can't, I can't find him. I mean, who's going to change him? Would you just change your approach? It would make me a lot more comfortable, Lord. doesn't work that way. Pure, unadulterated trust is what God is calling you and I to. And that's not always easy for us living in this side of heaven. I just, I'm blown away by Abraham's obedience. And finish the rest of the story here. They went to the place which God had told them, and Abraham built the altar and placed the wood. And he bound his son and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now, I think he already knew that, that he wasn't going to kill him. God, look what he says here. I actually, we were, we were at the Sea of Galilee and we were walking up on from the Sea of Galilee up to the west. And if you hike up there, you come up to a really high plain, and then you can see from that mountain area, mountainous area to the, to the northwest of the Sea of Galilee, you can see the whole lake and everything down below. And we were walking up there as a group uh, on our trip one year, and we, um, we just kind of came across this group and there was this young lady who was asking questions about you know what like as Christians why we believe what we believe in. and I actually had a chance to share with her about this 
Well, what about you? I said, why don't you just believe what your father Abraham told you about Jesus? And she's kind of, you know, like, well, it says right here in, 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 in Genesis that God would provide himself a lamb or the lamb. You know, and this is what we've read here. My son, God will provide for himself a lamb. Now, if you have a King James, it says, provide himself the lamb. I think it's... What, let's, let's pull that up a little. Yes. Pro, New King James. Yeah, New King James. That's New King James. What, what do you have in your translation? I don't have... Oh, you know, we, we're, that, that sin can be forgiven. <laughs> okay, what do you... What translation? <laughs> Just joking. What? <laughs> Said, yeah. And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering myself. Okay. So, anybody else have a different translation? There's a, tr a translation, I don't know which one it is, but it says, God will provide himself the, a lamb. Neil. Either way, it's got the same meaning, but I love that w the way it's worded that way. And I shared that with her, and it, it just, there wasn't anything else to say after that. But I hope it provoked her to go to her, her Hebrew Bible and read it. But look to the degree that God allowed him to go to really reveal what was in his heart. The knife is here. We are inches away from death. Okay, stop. I get it. I see what you're... No, you don't need to do that. I know there are some steps of faith that we are told to stop and we don't go through necessarily with the plan. Well, what's that all about? I don't know. I don't understand the mind of God completely either. And there are, you know, there's pro you probably have some decisions you think, like, you really are calling me to sacrifice this? Sometimes he tests us just to see where we're at. You know, this is the, you know, the test of humility. You know, the, there was a temptation there with, you know, Aaron and Miriam. God was testing them. They, they didn't do so well on that one. Paul, how much can you really take? <laughs> one of the guys I went to Bible college with years ago, he said, I feel like God's telling me to put my hand on the cattle prod and see how long I can hold it there. <laughs> you know, the pain. You know, sometimes the trials we go through are you know, just beyond words. And of course, we think about those, that list that I gave you. We're going to be tested in these areas, and God has the right to tend my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, my humility. Am I willing to sacrifice? Am I really obedient? The big challenge. I'm going to stop there uh, because I don't really want to. Isaac is uh, next, and we're going to talk about that next week with the blessing. And that this is also a very peculiar story, but this is again how God directs people at the end of days. This ought to be really applicable to us. We are at the end of our days. If you think about it, we are not that far away from the coming of the Lord. I just can't see how much the way things are going. He, there's going to be there's going to be divine intervention. I just cannot believe the things that are going on in our world, not just the United States, but I mean globally. There is something afoot that's really, I think, going to be 
phenomenal. I hope it's the rapture. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And we're so blessed by our father Abraham's faith. He really liked this guy, Lord, because he listened and he obeyed you time and time again. Lord, we pray you'll put that same kind of obedience and faith within our hearts that as we are tested and we know that we have been and we know that we will be, we're not above that, Lord, and we actually need it to be happen in our lives, Lord, that you find so that we see where we're at with you. You already know where we are, but you want us to see. You want us to understand. We're just thankful for a man that had so come to know you, your nature and your character, that he was willing to give back the most precious thing he'd ever received from you in a son. Give us that same kind of heart, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>